Please uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 this morning. We're looking at be, make, send. I was hoping to do make and send, make disciples and send disciples in one message. But last night as I was teaching in the Saturday night service, the time was up and I still had a bunch of material. So I made the call to go ahead and do send next week. So we're going to do send next week and then we'll start the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, making disciples. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this commission that you have given to us as believers to to go and make disciples. And we admit that we need you to strengthen our faith and fill us with your Holy Spirit. But we do want our lives to impact those that don't know Christ. We pray as a church that we would have a heart for the lost. Holy Spirit, would you come and work in our hearts? Bless this time in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. God got a hold of my life in high school, and I was attending a church in Southern Oregon called Applegate Christian Fellowship that was very alive, and God was really moving. And in that first year that my life was surrendered to the Lord, a guy named Gary Mauser came alongside of me and discipled me. The only thing is, is I didn't even realize that I was being discipled. Gary was over the facilities and specifically the church owned a retreat center that was right behind the church on the same property up this hill sits this conference uh, center and his job was to take care of all of the things on the conference center, make sure the rooms were clean and there was food and the grass was mowed and there was flowers. But Gary had bought into something bigger than just keeping a facility up. He wanted to make disciples. So what he would do is say, Eric, why don't you come up to the retreat center and we'll have some root beer floats. And he'd get a half gallon of vanilla ice cream, a two liter of root beer, and we would polish it in one sitting, all right? Like what 14, 15 year old guy doesn't want to do that, right? So we're having root beer floats, but as we're having root beer floats, he was asking me, what's God doing in your life? And encouraging me, and he was discipling me. He was making a disciple. A year ago, uh, in February 2019, I went back to my home church to attend a, a friend's funeral, and Gary Mauser was there at the funeral. And he's still working at the church, it's like 25 years later, still working facilities, but still discipling young men, still making disciples. So we're going to look into God's word this morning of this encouragement to make disciples and also talk about how this plays into our church fellowship and the vision that the Lord has given to us at RMC. Last week, if you missed the message, we looked at being a disciple and the be flows into the make and flows into the send. As we follow Jesus and allow him to take control of our lives, we're going to care about the things he cares about. We're going to care about lost souls. We're going to care about seeing disciples made. So this is verse 16 of Matthew chapter 28. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. The context of the Great Commission is so important because it is the death and the resurrection of Christ. Christ has died upon the cross for our sins. He's just risen from the dead. And he had told the disciples to go to Galilee to an appointed place. In Matthew 26, it says, But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. 
So the disciples are following that instruction and waiting for Christ to appear to them. And then Christ is faithful to his promise. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What was this like for the disciples to see the resurrected Savior? They were not anticipating the resurrection of Christ. But here Christ is risen and standing before them. They begin to worship the Lord, but also in some of their hearts there was some doubt. Is this a ghost? Is this really the Christ? We know Thomas really doubted and didn't believe until he touched the wounds of Christ. Before we get into the great commission of going and making disciples, we need to be at a place where we're worshiping the resurrected Savior. The disciples are going to go and tell people that don't know Christ because they've first been impacted by the death and the resurrection of Christ. The gospel is something that we trust and we believe in one moment in time, but we continue to live in the gospel and rejoice in the gospel. There's a really good book written for pastors called Dangerous Calling, and it's really addressing the fact that so many pastors are falling away and falling into sin. And why is this? And in this book, Dangerous Calling by David Tripp, he has a section on preaching the gospel to yourself every day. And what he means by that is every day that a pastor, and it's good for all of us to be reminded, I'm a sinner. Aren't we a sinner every day? Has there ever been a day that you haven't been a sinner, that I haven't been a sinner? We're, we're sinners every day, and Jesus has died for our sins and rose again, and we're saved by his grace. So that's a message that I need to hear every day. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner that's loved by God. When we're preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, that causes us to worship. That causes us to be excited about the gospel. So the disciples, they're, they're excited about what Christ has done, the death and the, the resurrection of Christ. If I don't have a heart for people that don't know Jesus, I maybe have lost the impact of the gospel. I've lost the reality of how great it is that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. So this is where we want to start. This is where we want to stay. We want to be in that place of worshiping Christ through the gospel and what he has given to us. In verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So as Christ appears to them, he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Is there any doubt about this? As Christ has just defeated sin and death, he's like, guys, I'm in charge here. And I think the disciples were going, yeah, you are. You are the resurrected Savior. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah. You have just raised yourself from the dead. As we read what God has for us in our lives, please understand that it's coming from Jesus. Jesus is the one that's asking us to go love and serve and share with a lost and dying world. This is not just a tall, skinny screecher, I mean preacher, trying to motivate you to go and share with those that don't know Christ as their Savior. But this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, speaking to all of us, saying, all authority has been given to me. I'm the one that's in charge here, and I'm giving you this command. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go. Jesus tells the disciples, you've got to go and make disciples. What if these 11 disciples, because Judas denied and betrayed the Lord, committed suicide, it's now 11 instead of 12. What if these 11 disciples decide to rejoice in the gospel, rejoice in what God has done for them, but they never share? They never go and tell of this good news of what Christ has done. We wouldn't be sitting here today, right? Us knowing Christ as our Savior is a result of these disciples and believers throughout the ages being faithful to go and tell. You may not know Christ as your Savior if there was not someone who cared about you enough to tell you about Jesus, that they decided to go and tell. They decided to go and declare. So the disciples are given this command, and they're to be intentional about going and making disciples, going and declaring disciples. One of the things that I've noticed is the longer that we know Christ, the less time we spend with unbelievers. When we're new in our relationship with the Lord, we know a lot of unbelievers. But over time, most of our relationship are with believers, and it's important to have relationship with believers. But then we fail to have relationship with, with unbelievers. God wants us spending time with unbelievers. God wants us to be intentional to go and to tell, to share the gospel, and to demonstrate that in their lives. And so the Great Commission involves going. The Great Commission involves getting out of our comfort zone, taking some steps of faith to be in relationship with unbelievers, to look at this week differently as you head to work, saying, Lord, how can I be a light and how can I be a witness to those that I work with that don't know Christ as their Savior? And then we're given this command to make disciples, to make followers of Christ. So how does that happen? How does someone become a disciple of, of Christ? Well, first, they've got to know the gospel. They've got to know that they're a sinner. They've got to know that Jesus died for their sins and rose again. Repent of their sin and believe that Jesus is their Lord. And you might be saying, I don't know that I'm equipped to be able to share the gospel. Read John 3.16. John 3.16 is a great way to be able to share the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Take a look at Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's a great way to be able to share and to declare the gospel. You know what God has done in your life, in the past and currently, to be able to share that with someone else and encourage them with your testimony, God's story in your life. So it's declaring the gospel. The power is in the gospel. The power is in what Christ has, has done for us. Then as someone trusts and receives Christ as their Savior, you come alongside of them. The disciples understood what discipleship was because Jesus has discipled them for three years. Discipleship is life on life, spending time with someone. There's good tools, there's good books to use, but ultimately it's spending time with someone and seeing what their questions are about Christ. 
knowing their strengths and weaknesses and being able to share scripture with them and be able to encourage them. It's what Gary Mauser did for me, knowing that I was new in the Lord and, and coming alongside of me and spending, spending time with me. So it's that investment in the life of someone else with the gospel and the truth of scripture. You would be surprised how much you know. You would be surprised how much you know. When someone's new in the Lord, they don't know anything, right? They're like, what do I do? And you're like, well, you should read your Bible. You should pray. You should hang out with believers. And you should declare the gospel to unbelievers. They're like, what? That is so crazy, right? Maybe you're new in your relationship with the Lord. You're like, I've never heard that before. So if you've walked with the Lord for a while and studied the scriptures, you have so much to offer to someone else. So we're making disciples go and make disciples. And the declaration is of all nations, of all nations. Imagine you're sitting there and you're 11 guys. We're kind of used to hearing this. What if we got 11 of us in a room, right? Said, all right, it's your job, 11 of us, to go and share the gospel with the whole world. There's no internet, there's no Facebook Live, there's no Instagram, there's no cars, there's no airplanes, 11 dudes hanging out in Galilee, in Israel. Jesus is like, all right, guys, I want you, 11, to go make disciples of the nations. Be easy for the disciples to say, you know, we'll just stick with Jerusalem. How about Jerusalem. Like, let's not get the expectations too high. Jerusalem's a big city, and there's a a lot of unbelievers. But God is making it clear here from the very beginning that he has a heart for the nations. We had a guest speaker on Wednesday night, and he also was sharing on the Great Commission. He put it this way. The Great Commission involves neighboring and nations. So it's loving the lost here in Colorado Springs, But also for each of us as believers, God wants us to love the nations. Maybe there's a particular nation that God has put on your heart to start praying for them. There's so many nations in the world that have like 2% of their population is believers. 1% of their population is believers. Could you imagine that? Just in the whole entire country, 1% knows Christ as their Savior. Sometimes less than, than 1%. You may or may not ever be able to go to that country, but to begin to pray for that that country. Because in the book of Revelation, we see every tribe and tongue and nation gathered around the throne room of God. So don't leave out the nations. I know there's a lot of lost people here in the springs that we're praying for and reaching out for too, but also to have a heart for the nations. Then baptizing them, what took place today, Baptism, that public declaration of faith, that my life belongs to Christ. As someone is is baptized, they're identified in Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, such an important step in their relationship with the Lord. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. Amen. As disciples were made... As they were found in Jesus, they're encouraged to observe all that Jesus has taught, all that Jesus has commanded. 
Well, what is Christ commanded? He's commanded that we trust him for salvation. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus summed up all of the commandments in this. Love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the great commission involves the great commandment. So if you're coming alongside someone to disciple them, you encourage them, love the Lord. Love the Lord with everything that you are, with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus then promises his presence with the disciples as they step out into the Great Commission. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We're promised that Christ will never leave us and he will never forsake us. So as we're endeavoring to step into Christ's command of the Great Commission, to share the gospel, to invest in others, it brings up some fear in our hearts and our lives. We go, man, I don't know that God can use me, and I'm nervous to be able to talk to this coworker who doesn't know Jesus or this family member. Remember, Jesus is with you. He's with you. He's going to empower you. He's going to give you wisdom. Many times we experience the presence of God in a profound way when we take steps of faith in the Great Commission. When we're stepping out to love and serve and share with unbelievers, when we're coming alongside of a new believer, someone who is not quite as mature in the Lord, Jesus is there with us. Those are wonderful times. Those are wonderful conversations after talking with someone who doesn't go know Christ and you realize, man, Jesus, you were there with me. So let's talk about how this plays out for us here at RMC. How is this part of our mission and vision of Rocky Mountain Calvary to see disciples made? You know where it begins and continues and remains? It's an issue of the heart. It's the heartbeat of our church. Do we have a heart for the lost? Do we care about those that don't know Christ as their Savior? It's easy for us to see our gatherings together, see church as only a time for us to be built up. So we're really only concerned with our own lives. And we fail to see that our time together is hopefully where we're getting built up and we're getting equipped to go out, to go out and to love those that don't know Christ as their Savior. Think about it this way. What's the purpose of a godly marriage? Is the purpose of a godly marriage just your own comfort? Sometimes I think we look at marriage and we say, we've got to figure this out We have to use God's word and God's truth so that we can live in peace and harmony together and have a healthy home. Now that's true. God wants you to have a healthy marriage. But the purpose of it is not just for us to be comfortable and happy. The purpose of a godly marriage is to display Christ and the church, Ephesians chapter 5, to where a lost and dying world can look at a Christian husband And see the way that husband loves his wife and go, wow, I see Christ in that husband. And then an unbeliever could look at the wife and see an example of the way that the church responds to Christ. The way that the church respects and submits Christ. 
The reason that your marriage exists is to be a display of the gospel. And we forget that a lot of times. We go, oh, I took love and respect. And now we've got a peaceful marriage, praise the Lord, right? And we do our little home life together and we don't spend any time with unbelievers and God's going, there's a whole bigger picture in this. There's a whole bigger intent in this than just your own happiness. And we, we forget that. Singleness, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul actually says singleness is a benefit. You're going, what? I just want to be married. And Paul actually encouraged to remain single. Why? Because he said you could serve God without dis- distraction. You have an opportunity to invest yourself in making disciples without the responsibility of marriage and family. It's a pretty difficult teaching. But if you're single, you might want to read through it and go, okay, Lord, maybe you're going to provide and lead me to get married. But in the meantime, I'm not going to see my singleness as a disadvantage. I'm going to see it as an opportunity to serve the Lord. It always baffles me as a pastor in a room this size is there's a bunch of married people that want to be single and there's a bunch of single people that want to be married, right? And for all of us to be content with where the Lord's placed us and say, I want to be able to declare the gospel. So we have to have a heart for the lost. It's easy for a church over time where we're doing all of these things in the church, men's study, women's study, children's ministry, youth ministry, sanctuary ministry, and we forget the purpose. The purpose is to know Jesus and then to make him known. So it comes to our hearts. As I was preparing this message, I began to see people differently. Sitting at the library, writing these things out, watching those who are in the library, I wonder how many people here in the library know Christ. I wonder how many of them have, have heard the gospel. Found myself spending time at the grocery store and beginning to see people in their need to know Christ as their Savior. Church, this is a work of the Holy Spirit to move in us to continue to give us a heart for the lost, to continue to move us to this place where we care for those that don't know Jesus in our community and throughout the nation. So What are some things that are happening collectively in our church as we're reaching out beyond these these walls? One is there's reach barbecues. We've called them reach barbecues, and they're barbecues to the apartment complexes. And we've been amazed by how God has opened the door in several apartment complexes around the church where God's placed our church is there's a ton of apartment complexes So Dan Johnson, our missions pastor, went to the apartment complexes and said, hey, could we as a church come and do a barbecue for you at the apartment complex? And we've been amazed of the apartment complexes have said yes. Said, yeah, come on over. They know that we're a church. And they actually send out the email to the residents inviting them to the barbecue. And many residents come and we're able to spend time with them and share the gospel with them. As the summer approaches, you can get involved with that. I was able to go to a couple this last summer, and I was amazed at the openness to hear about Christ. 
It's a strategic outreach because as we make relationships with families, then we offer to scholarship their kids to come to camp here at the church. Eagle Lake Camp through the Navigators brings their camp to our church, big air jumpers and all this crazy fun stuff. And it's my favorite week of the summer to come to work because you see all of these kids with their parents coming from the apartment complexes to our church. We don't want to be a church that reaches other parts of the city and the country, but don't have impact upon our own neighborhood. Also, Sabin Middle School and Mitchell have invited us to be able to come alongside of them inside of their school. Guys, this is public schools opening the door to Rocky Mountain Calvary. Sabin allows us to cook meals for their teachers as they have parent-teacher conferences. As you know, teachers are very underappreciated. So these teachers are giving their lives to these students, and we just simply give them some good food on parent-teacher conference and then be there to serve them. It's given us a great opportunity to build relationships with Saban Middle School. Now Saban Middle School uses our church building when they do their teacher further education days. They close the school, all their teachers come here. Once a year, the kids, the middle schoolers, collect canned food and they give it to RMC, to our food pantry, to give to those that are in need. There's been several times we've been able to go as a church over to Sabin and help out on their facility. This year at Mitchell High School, the principal, we had a meeting with him. It's the end of last school year. Dan Johnson and Tom Dorman, who serves with FCA as a missionary of our church, And the principal said, look, we'll take food, we'll take coats, we'll take toiletries because our kids need those things. They don't have the basic necessities. They need those things to be able to thrive in class. But, said, what we really need is we need people to come down and spend time with students. And I think my jaw hit the floor. He was asking people from our church to come in and spend time with students at his, his high school. So there's 30, 40 people from RMC that are actively going into Mitchell High School and loving students. There's a group that's fo- focusing just on the drama kids, the kids doing acting. They recently did their yearly production. Of all of the kids that were in the play, only four parents showed up. Four parents. So there's a group from RMC that was at that play to encourage the kids. But also, the drama teacher let them come into backstage in the mirrors and put post-its up, things like break a leg and adrenaline is your friend. And the kids, the high school kids, were so appreciative to that group of adults that showed up to watch their program to say, you matter, Jesus loves you. The kids did good, and apparently there's state for drama. I didn't know that that was a thing. But they got to go to state and go up to Denver to do their play. So our group of volunteers, through the permission of the drama teacher, met them at the bus and gave the kids lunches and said, hey, we're behind you and we're, we're supporting you. That's an amazing open door that God's given us. Mitchell High School feeds their families once a month. 
And they've invited us to come and eat with the families and build relationship with the families. So that's something that you could get involved with if you wanted to. Any of those uh, three things, you could contact Dan Johnson and you could get involved in those things. So those are a few things that are happening. I can't mention all of those things. How about internationally? What's happening with the nations through RMC? As many years ago, we decided to prayerfully focus our international missions on three countries, to have target countries, because we had more of a shotgun approach where we were doing a lot of things in a lot of different places, but there wasn't a lot of long-term fruit. So we chose Mexico, Uganda, and then more recently we have added Peru. And what took place in Mexico began with Sean and Lisa, the Rafferty's. He was here on staff and went down to Chihuahua and he started a church. He's since handed that church off to Rafa and is back on staff here at RMC. But Calvary Chapel Chihuahua is doing great. They're growing. They just were able to get into a, a bigger facility. They're really having impact upon the city of Chihuahua. Chihuahua is a cool city. They have a, a large university. There's a lot of things that are, that are happening there. There's a lot of young people. There's a lot of, a lot of growth but there's spiritual growth that's happening and, and taking place. But also there was a focus on the Taramara Indians. The Taramara live in the Copper Canyon, this huge canyon. Drought in the canyon forced them to come into the city. But the Taramara are not legal citizens of Mexico. So they're literally a second class group of people, and they tend to put the Taramara in these neighborhoods inside of Chihuahua. They're segregated. There's a lot of prejudice that's taking place, and the Taramara has allowed the church to come in and provide after-school programs for the kids, and many of you sponsor Taramara kids through that. We call it Light Shine, and the kids come. They learn about Jesus. They get more education. They, They learn about health, And through that, a lot of their parents have come to know Christ as their Savior. And this is a group of people that largely has been unreached. And in all of the light shine communities, there's three light shine communities, churches have started as a result of ministering to the kids. Because oftentimes if you reach the kids, you reach the parents as well. So if you Come to RMC, RMC is your home church, and you felt led to tithe to RMC, I want you to know that we tithe to these missions efforts. So you are impacting the Taramar people. When you get to heaven, I want you to look for some Taramar people. Because God, by his grace, has allowed us to be a part of that. Kent Nolly and his wife Becca and their children moved to Gulu, Uganda. Uganda is not an easy place to live. It's hot, it's humid, there's disease, you're probably going to get malaria. And they've labored for the Lord there with a mission to train up pastors. A lot of Ugandan pastors, but they've never had any type of training in the Word. So Kent and his team is taking the pastors through the Word of God over a three-year program. Three years, and they're going through the Word of God verse by verse and chapter by chapter. They've already graduated their first round of students. And they're in their second round of of pastors that will graduate in about a year and a half. Can you imagine the fruit of that? These pastors getting trained in the Word of God, taking it to their congregations, and the congregations reaching out to their communities. Amazing. God's faithfulness and, and His goodness. 
Also, they have a heart, Kent and Becca have a heart for the work in Uganda to be sustainable. If something happens in the United States and RMC is not able to, to give in the same way in the future, Kent wants to see the work continue. And God provided a farm for Kent. A farm was given to him also with a, a medical clinic. So they're also running a farm and they're doing amazing things with the farm to support the ministry of allowing pastors to be able to get trained. There's a widow's aspect of what they're doing where they're caring for the widows in, in the community as well. And God has really blessed it. He's really blessed it. Peru's a newer work, Annie and Darwin. They're serving there in Cusco, Peru, started a church and the Lord is blessing it. They're also doing some, some tribal work that is taking place. And there's other things that we're doing in missions. There's a missions wall if you want to see all the missionaries that the church sponsors. And, but this is what I want you to know with what I've mentioned in Mexico and in Uganda and in Peru, thankfully by God's grace, is these are not missions organizations outside of the church as great as that is. This is people from RMC that read the Great Commission that said we have a heart for the nations. We've come alongside of them and God is blessed. God is the one who has done the work. But they sat in these same blue chairs (laughs) right where you're sitting and saying we want to take this to the nations. As we look to try to see disciples made inside of our church, a real target verse is Acts 2.42. So there's this big umbrella idea of making disciples, but how that works out practically in our church is Acts 2.42. So if you would turn there with me. You've maybe noticed in the life of a church that it's easy to say yes to everything. How do we know what to say yes to? How do we know what to say no to? If you're newer to our church, you go, well, what can I really expect from RMC? What's the philosophy of RMC? What's going to guide RMC? And for us, it's Acts 2.42. We believe that disciples are made as we continue steadfastly in these four things. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship in breaking of bread, and in prayers. The church has just been born. The conception of the church. 3,000 people get saved. Do you know that the church in the book of Acts was never small? I think a lot of times we're going, the, the ideal church has to be small. It has n- nothing to do with numbers. The health of a church is not if it's big or it's small, but just get your mind around that. When it started, from the very get-go, there was 3,000 people. That's a large church. It's a large group of, of people. And this is what they continued steadily, steadfast in, is the apostles' doctrine, which is the word of God. So this is what you can come to expect at RMC, is that we're going to study the word of God. I don't care if the word of God is not cultural. Do you know that the word of God was never cultural? When Paul was taking the word of God to all of these Roman cities, it was not cultural. People that don't know Christ as their Savior can say whatever they want about sex and sexuality. But they did not design sexuality. 
God designed sexuality. So we're going to teach biblical sexuality, right? Because it's in God's word, and we're not going to be ashamed of it. So our heart and our habit is to go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and chapter by chapter, to study them in context. On Wednesday night, we're going through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. What you'll find in the ministries throughout RMC is we're going to get in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is living and powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. You don't need my ideas or our pastoral staff ideas or ministry leaders' ideas. What we need is the Word of God. Amen? And as we study the Word of God, it's not going to come back void. It's going to accomplish what the Lord desires and intends for us. The Word of God is thoroughly going to equip us for every good work. So if you love the Word of God, you're in the right place, right? But be reminded, as we study the Word of God, it is to impact our lives so that we can make disciples. So there's the inward flow, but then there's the outward flow. There can be a danger if we're studying the Word of God and we're consuming it, but we're not giving it out. And then also to continue steadfastly in fellowship. In fellowship. This is so important to be in relationship with one another. This means to share in common, to share Christ in common. So there's opportunities to do that inside of our church through small groups, connect groups. You can look on the church's website and there's some connect groups that are still open that have availability. You can get plugged in, email the connect group leader. There's men's ministry and women's ministry. But it doesn't just have to be inside of our church. You can have fellowship with believers inside of our church, but you may be connected to believers outside of our church as well. But the important thing is, is don't go through life without relationship with believers. It's absolutely paramount and necessity to have fellowship with believers. For some of you, that's the nugget that you need to hear this morning. You go, in order for me to be a disciple and make a disciple, I need to be in fellowship. I've got to make time to be in relationship with believers. You're not going to regret it. I know it's difficult, but it's always worthwhile. And breaking of bread is communion. We have communion every Wednesday night and the third weekend of the month. We have communion together. But also you can celebrate communion in your home and then in, in, in prayers to continue steadfastly in prayer. We are a praying church, but we want to continue to grow in this area of prayer. We start each workday as a staff together in prayer. We have opportunity to receive prayer at the end of every service. There's the prayer room upstairs if you've never checked it out. It's open during the week if you need a quiet place to come and pray or if you feel led to intercede during the services. But also every fourth Wednesday of the month, we're taking opportunity to pause as a church, and to seek the Lord in prayer, to take time out during that week to fast and pray. You guys have heard my heart on prayer, but what we're seeing is there's a spiritual need that cannot be met through man's agendas. We can't strategize our way through this spiritual darkness that our community and nation is, is experiencing. So we want to wait upon the Lord. We want to seek the Lord. We want to gather together as a, as a church family. And God's really been moving through these times. We've had one in January and February. But mark your calendar, the fourth Wednesday of the month, and come out. Wouldn't it be wonderful 
if the prayer meeting on the fourth Wednesday of the month was the largest service that RMC had. If God touched our heart as a congregation to say, we need to be a praying church, and there's something special when God's people come together in prayer. So we want to continue steadfastly in these things. And as we continue steadfastly in these things, we believe that God is going to make disciples. Next week, we'll look at the send. We'll look at Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 13 of, of people being sent out through the leading of the Holy Spirit. But the application for us this morning is to say, God, I want my life to be used to be able to invest in others. If you've been coming to RMC for a long time and you haven't been investing in others, you're equipped. You know the word. You have gone through Bible studies with us. You've gone through the Gospel of John. You've gone through the book of Romans. You don't know everything, but man, you know a lot. And would you join us in making disciples and ultimately respond to Jesus asking you to make disciples. Take the risk to invest in an unbeliever. That's what God's heart is for us. Take the risk to to share the gospel. Take the risk and teach third graders in Sunday school. Say, I don't know if I like kids. I don't know that that was in here. Did it say that? Right? Did it say, oh, I, I don't know if I like kids. You've got a lot to offer. God blessed us a thousand kids, a thousand kids come to RMC under sixth grade. It's amazing. God may be calling you to invest in them. Our junior high and high school ministry is very healthy. Praise the Lord for that. God is bringing us a bunch of junior high kids and a bunch of high school kids. And you could be a Gary Mauser in their life. You could volunteer to be a youth leader. You don't have to be hip and cool to be a youth leader. I don't mean to pick on Tim, but Tim is an awesome junior high pastor, our junior high pastor, but he is not hip and cool. He's in his 50s, right? And on paper, you go, how can you have a junior high pastor in his 50s? You know why? Because Tim loves those kids. And those kids, what they really long for is love And they just gravitate towards Tim. And God may be calling you to come alongside of them and say, man, I want to be a junior high leader. I want to be a high school leader. There's marriage mentoring where you can come alongside a younger couple. There's mentoring in women's ministry, in men's ministry. There's so many opportunities. This will change your Christian life. If we go from a place of saying, I just always receive, I always receive, I always receive, but I'm not pouring out into the life of someone else. And it may be through something that's happening here at RMC, or it may be completely separate, it doesn't matter, but for us to be challenged by the Lord to say, okay, God, you are calling me to make disciples. Me personally, this is not for someone else. This, this is for me. So I'm gonna take this step of faith to love an unbeliever, to share with an unbeliever, to invest in a new believer, to see a disciple made in Christ. But this is what I know. You will get tired of church and be disengaged 
if you don't make this step to be Great Commission oriented, to care to invest in someone else. Because if it's always about us, we will come to the place where we go, I don't really like this. It doesn't matter what church you go to. You'll get to the place where you're like, I'm kind of bored with the songs. I've heard the message. I know all of Pastor Eric's jokes. Yeah, I do wah, 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 wah. But if we understand that this is a time to be equipped where it's not about me. Some of us need to hear this. Church is not about you, right? Church is about you knowing Jesus and being equipped to be able to invest in others. No, don't get me wrong. I hope that you are loved. I hope that you're growing. I hope that you're encouraged in your relationship with the Lord. But we have to fight for this outward focus. Our culture is always telling us it's all about you. And before you know it, we can make church all about us. Guys, Jesus is the head of the church, and it's not about us. It's about him, and it's about others. And we come into church, hopefully with this perspective of saying, who can I invest in? You know, is there a 15-year-old kid here that I could disciple? Is there a single mom that needs help? Is there someone that's, encouraged, that's discouraged that needs me to slow down and just take five minutes to be able to, to pray with them? Gary Mauser probably met with me less than 10 times. It was probably more like six to eight times. But it made the huge difference in my life. It was the perfect time for me to have someone come alongside of me and invest in me. And I'm so thankful. It was so good to see him a year ago and give him a big hug and, and tell him thank you for what he invested in my life. You may not be being called to walk alongside someone for 20 years, but God may be asking you to, to meet with them six times. And deep down, I think where it's hard for us is a lack of faith. We go, God, I don't know if you can use me. I've got struggles in my own life. And deep down, Lord, I don't know if you can change this person. And for us to trust the Lord to say, he's able to do this. He's able to. You think about basketball. And is it really about the ball or is it about the player? It's about the player. And for us, we look at ourselves and we go, man, I don't have it together. Well, we're in the hand of Christ. And he's able to launch us out. So trust him. If you're in that place where you're saying, I don't think God can use my life, don't believe that lie. Go, Lord, all authority has been given to you. And you're with me. God doesn't have to use us, but he wants to use us, right? I'm not going to believe the lie that God can't use my life. And then also to not believe the lie, well, God, you can't change this person. We probably wouldn't say it out loud, but sometimes we struggle. I don't know if God could save this family member. I don't know if God could save this neighbor that I've been investing in and praying for and sharing with for years. And God's able to save. He's able to save and to trust him and say, Lord, you're the one that has commanded me to do this. So would you stand with me and let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you desire to use us, that you are using us. And 
Forgive us where there's unbelief. Forgive us when we struggle to believe that you could use our lives. Forgive us when we think that the investment is not worth it and that you can't change that person's life. And as a church and in individuals, Lord, would you allow us to be great commission-minded? So Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh upon us and lead us as we go out into this week? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.